Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. Ah, <laughs> uh, welcome back to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So pleased to see you've stopped by. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And today we've got a wondrous item with quite the story behind it. Uh, I've already taken the liberty of uh, pulling this off the wall. It is a shadow box, but it is what lies inside that is of great interest on today's episode. As you'll look, you'll see the wings pinned out. This is, of course, a specimen of a bat. It has been preserved to be examined. And while this creature has long since met its end, if you pay attention out of the periphery of your vision, you might swear that you've seen this creature move ever so slightly. This, of course, is no ordinary bat. This is, in fact, a vampire bat full of mystery and lore and a great tie to the subject of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at Sony Pictures Morbius. Now, for anybody who's followed the story of Morbius, no, I'm not talking about the comics. I'm talking about the epic journey it took to get this thing onto the big screen. You'll know that we've been anticipating this movie for quite some time. It was originally slated for a July 2020 release. Of course, in 2020, we know that everything shut down because of the C word. No, not that C word, the COVID word. And it, like many other movies, was pushed back. And it continued to be pushed back and further back. But we did get those first glimpse, that first trailer in 2020. And I, for one, was quite excited because Morbius is not a character I'm vastly familiar with. Uh, in the comics. I read Spider-Man growing up, but you know, it wasn't like we had a local comic book store. So whatever issues I could get, those are the, the things I knew about Spider-Man. And, and Morbius is one of those characters I knew about, but I didn't know much about. Now, if you were a fan of the 1990s Spider-Man animated series, you know, uh, there was a story arc with Morbius there, uh, a character that showed up um, on a couple of occasions. But for me, for the most part, and I think a lot of people outside of the real diehard comic fans, uh, not much of a, a history is known of the character Morbius. So I was really excited to see this movie because, one, I had no skin in the game. I, I just wanted a good movie. I wanted to learn more about this character that I only knew, you know, on the periphery of the Spider-Man comics. And plus, being vampires, I thought there was a real opportunity to do some cool, like, almost horror-type scenes with this character. And so when I first saw this trailer back in, what was it, 2020 at some point, I was excited about this. And I waited. And I waited. And I waited. And I waited. And finally, uh, they released this movie this past, uh, I think the early screenings were Thursday, general release was on Friday. Uh, I went to see it with my brother-in-law, who he 
wasn't really very familiar with uh, Morbius either, but he saw the trailer during one of the movies he's seen recently and thought, oh, that looks pretty good. He asked me if I had seen the trailer. I said, I have seen the trailer for that movie before every movie I've seen, almost every movie I've seen for at least the past year. He asked me, did that make me want to see it more or make me want to see it less? I said, it just made me want to hurry up and get this thing in the theaters. And we finally got it in the theaters. I don't know if that's a good thing. We'll, we'll discuss that here in a second. But uh, do want to kind of give a, a brief cursory look at the character of Morbius. character of Morbius is called the living vampire. And you have to really differentiate the supernatural vampires, the traditional vampires that we know. They're afraid of holy objects, holy water, stake through the heart, that sort of thing. Uh, this living vampire or, or pseudo vampire, as I believe they call it in the comics, is pretty much a vampire light. You have all of the traditional things of a vampire, the hunger for blood, uh, the superhuman strength and speed. Uh, Morbius has the ability to fly. He has a uh, heightened hearing and echolocation, kind of like a bat, a lot of qualities of the bat. Uh, he's, I think in the comics, he has a, a low intolerance to light, but not like the traditional vampire. And uh, outside of that, he doesn't really have the the most common, uh, like like I said, supernatural traits of a vampire. So that's why they call it a pseudo vampire. Now, this vampiric disease can be transmitted through a bite in the in the comics. It's a little different in the movie. And the Michael Morbius character, much like in the comics in the movie, uh, he has this rare blood disorder that he tries to cure by splicing vampire bat DNA with human DNA uh, to create this cure. It turns him into this living vampire, this pseudo vampire. A real vampire, a supernatural vampire has to die and be reborn again, essentially come back to life as undead. Whereas this, a person is infected with this, I don't know if you want to call it a disease, but uh, uh, this this gene splicing that's gone on between human and vampire bat, and you don't have to die to take on these vampiric traits. That's why living vampire. But much like the uh, the comics in the in the book, the the origin it, it's done differently enough but it is very much in the same realm there was a lot of this movie uh the characters some of the characters uh morbius the martine bancroft character uh, that, that was a you know it, it was fairly close close enough to the comics that i didn't mind that the origin story of morbius was close enough to the comics that i i, I thought it's a it's a fine adaptation of the comics into a movie but i had a lot of expectation for this movie uh not as a fan of morbius the the comic book character but the idea of morbius i like the idea of this vampire i thought there was a lot of as i said to my brother-in-law as we left the movie theater uh there was a lot of untapped potential in this movie and i'm not going to go into too much detail because the detail uh it's pretty much spelled out the whole plot of the movie is pretty much spelled out in the trailer that we got michael morbius has a rare blood disease he mixes bat dna with his dna to get these vampire powers he's got a friend with the same disease that that wants to take the cure as well and he does and michael morbius doesn't like it the friend 
embraces it and becomes a bad guy and they fight and credits what i am going to talk about are the characters uh that these actors portray and, and what the actors did and, and brought to the table we're going to talk about some of the things that i think uh, were huge missteps and and what i think was the problem with this movie i went into this with a very open mind because i try not to read or listen to too many reviews on movies before I actually see it, because I don't want my opinion tainted by somebody else's opinion. You know, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, and not everybody needs to see yours or mine. So <laughs> I try to keep my review exposure to a very minimum, but I can't help but see headlines as I'm scrolling through social media. And a lot of the headlines I saw were were not glowing for the early reviews of this. Uh, I saw one headline where they talked about how this is proof that Sony needs to give Marvel back its toys. And I felt, okay, may, maybe they're being a little bit harsh. I, I thought the look of the trailer uh, seemed like this this had the potential to be a really good movie, or at least an enjoyable movie. So I went into this with the mindset that, you know what, all these headlines from these critics be damned, I'm going to go in this, and and almost felt like I wanted to force myself to like this. And so I went in with no preconceived notions, uh, other than the fact that, you know what, I'm going to give this every opportunity to be a movie that I really love. Right off the bat, I didn't love it. I'm not even 100% sure I liked it. Like I said, I wanted to. I really wanted to because this, like I said before, really had a lot of potential to be very cool. It's the first time we've seen a vampire character in the quasi-MCU, even though it's not an MCU uh, movie proper. And like I said, this had, with vampires in it, uh, potential to be really cool and something different where they could have added some elements of horror. Now, I know it's a superhero movie and you don't want to make it too scary or anything like that for the kiddies, what, whatever. But there was opportunity to make some of the scenes really quite unnerving and a little bit scary. And every opportunity they had to do that, they made it not so. Uh, there, were, there were opportunities for... Uh, bits of humor, which is kind of one of the hallmarks of MCU films. They they don't necessarily take themselves too serious, and there's a bit of levity uh, added to to all the action and everything that's going on. Sometimes it can be a little much, but but it makes for a fun, enjoyable movie. And and this where the subject matter is so serious you've got a guy uh, a couple guys who have this blood disorder that they're sick there's bits with sick kids in it and it's it can be a bit of a downer and a bit heavy you know this guy turns into a vampire it's a dark subject matter or could have been a darker subject matter but uh, this guy's a vampire and you could have added some bits of humor to it and even that some of the humor that they tried to inject into this wasn't even funny. It didn't land at all. The one bit of humor, and I'm, I'm going to get into the bait and switch that was the trailer versus the movie coming up in a little bit, but there was one scene in the trailer that I thought was legitimately funny because, you know, Sony's big claim to fame right now is the Venom franchise, and they kind of tied in with that where Morbius has the thug kind of cowering, and the guy's like, who are you? And he's like, I am Venom, and then does that little face thing, 
And in the trailer, he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm Dr. Michael Morbius at your service. They cut that out of the freaking movie. That was, to me, that was a legitimately funny joke. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, it, it may come across a little hokey, a little name droppy uh, with Venom, but but I enjoyed that in the trailer and made me think, oh, this this could be kind of a fun movie. And, and they cut that out. He does the I am Venom thing, does the face bit, and then they do the worst edit to where the, the camera angle changes to a lower angle and you just see him pat the guy and tell him to leave. It just, they had an opportunity to add some real levity to this and they effed that up. But like I said, I'm going to talk about some of the, some of the things that were, there was a lot in the trailer that had no representation or involvement in the movie. And we're going to talk about that. But first I want to talk about some of the things I did like there. There was a decent cast here, misused totally, but a decent cast. I, I wanted to like Jared Leto as Dr. Michael Morbius. And I, I think I did. I, I enjoyed him as Morbius. I, I'm not like a huge Jared Leto fan. I, I don't care for the uh, portrayal of the Joker from the Suicide Squad stuff, but I, I like Jared Leto uh, well enough, and I thought he did a fine job. Was it his best performance? Was it an award-winning performance? No, but but I thought he did a good job with the humanity of Morbius, the aspect of Michael Morbius that wants to be a good guy. He doesn't want to feed on people's blood. He doesn't want to be a vampire, which is a bit of a departure from the original Morbius, because in the Morbius comic, he is a villain to Spider-Man at first, and then kind of becomes a, a bit of an anti-hero. And I think they went straight to anti-hero Morbius, which that's fine. I understand that. They did the exact same thing with Venom. And I thought Jared Leto played that. Uh, it didn't even, it really wasn't even an anti-hero. I mean, they just played Morbius as a, a hero who just happens to want to drink people's blood. But like I said, Jared Leto, I've read some reviews since watching this where kind of people talk about his stiff performance. I thought his performance was fine. I think one of the real heroes of this movie was Matt Smith, who played uh, Milo, a character that we don't know too much about. We get a little bit of backstory with him. It starts out that scene where Michael Morbius is flying to the cave in Costa Rica and he's set up the trap and he's attracting the vampire bats with a cut on his hand. Uh, you saw that in all the trailers. They cut to that right away. So I thought, oh, cool. They're really jumping right into the origin of this character and then business is going to pick up and they do that scene and then they cut to 25 years ago. We get to see Michael Morbius and this Milo character, who his real name's Lucian, but uh, Morbius, Michael Morbius calls him Milo. They're in this treatment facility where they get these blood uh, transfusions or, or something like that. That's another thing. They don't really go into the, the rare blood disorder that Morbius and this Milo character have, or Lucian, that's his real name. But we get to see these two characters become friends as kids, and that's about as deep as it goes into these these two characters' relationship, these two characters' history. We know that the Lucian Milo character is rich. We don't know why he stays rich. We don't know what he does, but we get to see him as a kid. Uh, those actually the kids' uh, scenes where they're in the hospital, the treatment center in Greece, were probably some of the more interesting bits of story. I almost felt like I wanted to see more of that <laughs> so the rest of the movie. But Matt Smith 
plays Milo just does a fantastic job. The guy is not over the top, but he plays this character with such audacity. Uh, the scene where he gets his power and he's kind of dancing around his place, uh, just basking in the glory of his now restored body. And you really bought him as this villain. Now, what I didn't like about, and I don't think it's a reflection on his performance, I didn't like about the character is the fact that we just hadn't, there was no arc for him. There was no reason why he goes from being this this good guy. He's funding Michael Morbius's research. He's best friends with Michael Morbius. They've been together since childhood. Why he all of a sudden turns to being a bad guy. He wants the cure that Morbius has. Morbius doesn't want to give it to him because he doesn't want him to turn into a vampire and have the bloodlust, but he does it anyway. Spoiler alert. It's not even a spoiler. That's that's all in the trailer. But there's no real arc for this character. Uh, he just goes from being a guy who we saw have a fit of rage as a kid to a guy who's willing to take a cure and kill anybody. And there's just no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, and that that was disappointing because I thought Matt Smith did a really good job with this character, what he had to work with. But I just don't think the character had any, like I said, there was no arc. There was no reason for me to care about this character and then be upset when he makes the the choice to be the bad guy. And the same could be said a, a little bit for, for Michael Morbius is that he's always the good guy in this. He's even before he's a vampire, he's got this uh, super high intelligence. Uh, <laughs> and I, I loved the one little reference. Uh, the doctor who we'll talk about here in a little bit talks to Michael about how there is a school for gifted children in in New York. And I have to imagine that has to be some veiled reference to Professor X and his school. But that's part of the reason why these two get separated as children. But yeah, Michael Morbius, he's always the hero in this. There's no real arc for him. Like in the comics, he is a bad guy at first. He is an adversary to Spider-Man and then becomes more of a, a good guy. Uh, like I said, an anti-hero later on. We don't get that. Michael Morbius is always good. He's always noble. He's always doing the right thing. And there's no real arc for that character either, which is part of the reason why uh, my biggest, one of my biggest problems with this movie is that they didn't give me enough reason to care about any of these characters. Now, I'll kind of talk about that here in a little, more in a little bit, but uh, the round out the cast, Adria Arona, she plays the Martine Bancroft character, uh, a scientist, Michael Morbius's girlfriend, and sort of, it really, uh, you don't know. It's it, They play it like there's a relationship there or a budding relationship, but we don't really get an, a sense that uh, they are in a relationship until they kiss later in the movie. Uh, it, it was just, their relationship was unexplored and, and again, no arc whatsoever. She was kind of a female lead in this, but again, there was no arc to her character and it just kind of felt like she was just there. Same with the Jared Harris who plays uh, Dr. Nicholas. He's the father figure to Morbius and Milo. He was their doctor when they were kids and kind of a mentor as they've grown up. But 
and, and a fine actor. I love Jared Harris. Anything I see him come into any project, I, I'm always excited to see him in it. And this character is just so underutilized uh, because you've got a, a really strong veteran actor like him. And he really could have brought some gravitas to this, some, some weight to the cast, uh, a fairly young cast. And I, I just, they didn't do anything with him. Again, he was just kind of like the Martine Bancroft character. The Dr. Nicholas character was just kind of window dressing, just there to be there. Same with the, the two agents. Tyrese Gibson played Simon Stroud and uh, Al Madrigal played uh, Alberto Rodriguez. They're agents. They're hunting Morbius. And they're just there, you know, they're there for one scene to ask some questions and there for another scene to ask some questions and, and, and they don't even really do anything. And that's a shame because I, I like both those actors, especially Tyrese. You know, I remember seeing him get into acting what was at the nineties and I thought, oh, is this good looking model? And he thinks he's going to be an actor. It's going to suck. I started seeing him in things. I was like, he's a good actor. And now it's it's funny because I went from seeing him as the model turned actor to now I just see him as a, a really good actor that I enjoy when he shows up in various projects. And, and I really thought they could have utilized his character and the Al Madrigal character, these two agents, uh, a little better. But there again, there was just nothing there. They tried to, you know, inflect a little bit of humor and levity through through some of their comments. The uh, Al Madrigal had some lines that uh, they were funny, but they just didn't land. And it's not his fault. It just, I just think a lot of the humor was just ill-timed and poorly written. More poorly written than ill-timed because there wasn't much of it to time out. So not a really huge cast, but a cast of really good actors. Actors I really liked. I just, some of the actors like Matt Smith really shined uh, above and beyond the script that he was given. Some of the actors did okay. Jared Leto did okay with what he was given. Audrey Arona played, uh, you know, the, the Martine Bancroft character as well as she could given what she was given. Jared Harris did a great job with what he was given. I just don't think a lot of these actors were given much to go on or much to do or, or much to go with to play off of and that was my biggest problem with this movie is that the characters were underdeveloped and i didn't have a reason to care about any of them they gave me just enough to care about the michael morbius character but he never really felt in any danger so there was nothing to go on there the matt smith uh, milo character could have been a very multi-dimensional and very complex character, but he went from zero to 60, you know, from being this kid who was Morbius's friend to a supervillain in no time flat. And not only did I not care about any of these characters, but there were no stakes to this. There was no sense of if Morbius doesn't stop Milo, who's kind of an amalgamation of the character Milo in the comics and this other character, Hunger, from the comics. There was no sense that, you know, other than him killing the odd person, the random person, uh, he kills a, a nurse. And that is his biggest claim to villainy is that he, he murdered a nurse. Not that the nurses deserve to be murdered or anything, but, but there was no greater sense of impending doom from this character. It's not like he was going to try and create a vampire, pseudo-vampire army and conquer the world. He just wanted to 
He just wanted to be rid of his blood disorder and not have a death sentence hanging over him and live. And he embraced the idea that he had to feed on human blood. And Michael Morbius didn't like that because he felt guilty. He didn't want to feed on human blood. He knew he would have to, but he uh, figured when he got to that point, he was going to kill himself or, or something like that. But there was just no stakes. I mean, nobody was even really in danger that you could put a name on until the Martine Bancroft character got into some danger very late in the game. And even the resolution of that was unceremonious. Now, aside from the fact that I, I just don't think uh, there was any reason for me to care about these characters and that there was no stakes to make me care about what happened to these characters. I thought visually it looked good. I thought the special effects were really good. I loved the look of Morbius when he transformed into the vampire character. It was really kind of uh, what I remember of the comics, you know, the the almost flat nose like a like a vampire bat. I thought the fangs looked really good. I thought the effect that they did on his ear when he was using that echolocation, I thought that was kind of cool. And the kind of sonar pulse that comes out from him when he's using his echolocation, I thought that looked kind of cool. It's not anything that we haven't seen before, but, but it did look cool. The thing that really bothered me, and I read a lot of other people after the fact, I read some reviews and it apparently bothered a lot of other people, but there was this kind of smoky, tenderly effect on Jared Leto and Matt Smith when they're in their vampire form that just, it didn't really make much sense. I don't know what it was supposed to represent. Was it supposed to represent kind of that echo location sonar? I don't know. It just really, it didn't make a lot of sense and it made things at times kind of action hard to follow because they had this effect on them and like the big fight scene at the end, not only did you have this kind of smoky effect on everything, but they also had the point of view on this so close up that it was really hard to follow the fight as it was going on. It felt like somebody zoomed in on something going on and I can't make it out because it's just it's too close. First I felt, because we had seats pretty close to the screen, and I thought maybe it's just that. And then I'm like, nope, I, I could be in the back row and I'd still feel like the action is just too zoomed in on. And even the the very end when Morbius vanquishes Milo, uh, for good, I don't know, probably any of these movies, they kill off bad guys and we never see them again. Uh, one of the things I liked about the Batman is that the Riddler didn't die. And hey, we might get to see him in the next one or the third one or, or whatever. But in this, Morbius vanquishes Milo and even that just still kind of unceremonious. He told you what he was going to do earlier and he did it and end credits. It's, it was just very, like they were going through the motions in this movie. Not the actors so much, but just the story. And I, I don't want to blame the director because, I, you know, as far as shots go, things were interesting looking. I just think the story was blah. Now, I don't know whether to put that on the director. I don't know whether to put that on the writers. That's why I hate when I don't like a movie because, you know, a lot of people work really hard on this stuff and they're probably really proud of it. And to hear somebody like me, who's never done it, to sit there and bash them, I I, I don't know. I, I sometimes feel a little guilty, but the heart wants what the heart wants. And my heart wanted uh, a more compelling movie, and it just didn't get it. 
whoever's fault that is. Maybe it's the studios. There are some instances where I think the studio stepped in and maybe to the detriment of this movie. Because this movie felt very truncated. This movie felt like we only got part of a movie. It feels like there was a bigger movie that we didn't get to see all of it. Uh, probably because the studio wanted to keep the runtime down. This was about an hour, maybe not quite an hour and 45 minutes. I think it was hour 42 uh, if if memory serves me right. And like I told my brother-in-law when we got done watching this movie, I'm not one to extend movies any longer than they need to be. But this movie could have stood to gain about 20 to 30 more minutes to develop some story. Maybe not even that. I, I think if they would have just had 15 more minutes, they could have developed some characters. They could have developed some story arcs. They could have made things make a little more sense. Characters' decisions and their actions make a little more sense. Add a little more context to things that just felt like they were rushing through it. Because they spent way too much time on what could have been a really simple origin. They spent too much time on the science of it. And working on this this bat gene, human gene hybrid that uh, Morbius injects himself with. This movie could have used with a little more real estate to help make things just make a little more sense. Add some context and some continuity that this movie greatly needed. And, and I lay that on the feet of the studio because studios are notorious for hamstringing directors with time constraints and you know we've got to get this movie under this time limit because things don't test right or, or what have you i would be interested to see if there is a like a director's cut of this somewhere down the road to see if maybe there was a more complete movie that we just didn't get to see because and and we're going to get into this now the trailer would suggest that the trailer that we saw back in 2020 had so many scenes that never made it to the movie. Now, I talked about that that joke about I am Venom and, oh, just kidding, it's Dr. Michael Morbius at your service. They cut out that, oh, just kidding, it's Dr. Michael Morbius at your service. They cut that out of the movie. It's like the one legit funny joke. And maybe, maybe that was it because none of the other jokes landed. So uh, why have this one joke? But, but it was actually kind of a funny joke. I, I enjoyed that. They didn't have that in the movie. There were other scenes, uh, scenes where uh, Morbius is moving this big stone sarcophagus or, or coffin or, or what have you. That wasn't in the movie anywhere. Uh, there was a thing with the the Simon Stroud character, Tyrese Gibson's character, has this this weird kind of arm prosthetic. Uh, they make reference to it in the movie that uh, Dr. Michael Morbius helped save his arm when he was, you know, in, in the military, but we never really see anything. There was a scene where you got to see this, I, I don't know whether it was a prosthetic arm or some robotic arm or, or something like that, but that scene was cut out. One of the biggest things that was cut out from a lot of the uh, trailers and a lot of the images from that uh, initial trailer was the fact that Morbius is, is walking through an alley and you see a picture of Spider-Man. I can't remember if it's supposed to be the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man or the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. I thought I heard it was supposed to be Andrew Garfield, but then I've heard other people say because of the costume, it, it would have been the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but it has murderer spray painted across it. That never showed up in the movie. And there was 
a lot of interaction with Michael Keaton's Vulture character, Adrian Toomes, who we saw in the Spider-Man Homecoming movie. Uh, was It looked like he was going to have a big role in this movie. There was a couple scenes in the trailer, one in front of uh, an ambulance or something where they're talking, and another in the prison where Morbius spends a little time, and, and you hear Adrian Toomes say something about, hey, Doc, I'll... I'll see you around or, or something like that. I, I may not be remembering that correctly, but I do remember those scenes in the trailer and they were nowhere to be found in the movie. Now I am going to be uh, a little bit spoilery here, uh, but there again, it's not a spoiler because they already told you this guy was going to be in the movie, but they do have the Michael Keaton, Adrian Toomes vulture character show up. They do uh, two mid credit scenes. It was very odd because the movie ended and I can't remember what titles came up on the screen. And then they go to this early mid credit scene where you see the sky opening up like the events of Spider-Man No Way Home. These rifts open up and all of a sudden Michael Keaton as Adrian Toomes appears in an empty jail cell. And then it flashes to a news broadcast about that and how he just appeared out of nowhere and they're letting him go. Then you get some more credits and then you get a proper mid-credit scene where Morbius is driving to this this abandoned this you know desolate area, nothing around and you see the vulture fly in. I've heard this described in reviews since I've watched this movie about this is one of the worst mid-credit scenes uh in history in the history of the Marvel characters, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it was eventually essentially Michael Keaton flies up to Morbius as Vulture uh, says, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I don't know how I got here. Still getting the lay of the land. I think it has something to do with Spider-Man, who, because they took out that picture of Spider-Man from the one scene earlier, the, the poster of Spider-Man, uh, we don't even know if he exists in this universe, but he says uh, he thinks it has to do something with Spider-Man, and we should te team up. It could do some good. And that's it. It was just uh, a bunch of exposition, which what I imagine is because Sony is so desperate to do a team-up movie that they are grasping at any straw. Uh, they can't do the Sinister Six movie that they've wanted to do for so long because they essentially did that. I know it was only five guys, but, uh, but a lot of the Sinister Six characters in the No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, so they can't really do that. You know, it's a been there, done that sort of thing. So now they're looking to team up Morbius, Vulture. And given the Venom reference and the fact that Venom is a part of, of Sony and they reference in this movie, that thing that happened in San Francisco, that's Venom. And so uh, I guess they're going to do some sort of anti-hero team up Venom, the Vulture, and and Morbius. I don't know if it makes sense. I don't know if it's going to be any good. It doesn't sound that interesting to me. I like all those characters, but I, I don't want to see a team up with any of them. And it doesn't even make sense that uh, Vulture showed up in this universe because... Uh, the spell that Doctor Strange cast was that people that knew who Spider-Man was was supposed to come to that world. Not people that know who Spider-Man is is supposed to go somewhere else. I, I Like I said, I think it was the studio grasping at straws. They took out a lot of scenes for time 
And they took out a lot of scenes that were supposed to originally be in this movie uh, for whatever reason they had. And it totally took out a lot of context, took out a lot of story. It took out a lot of things that, that may have made this movie more interesting. Maybe not. But I think this movie probably, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Sony did a lot of dickering around and this movie is not the movie that director Daniel Espinosa wanted to put out. I could be wrong, but I I feel pretty secure going out on that limb. And that's a shame because like I said, this movie had a lot of potential. It had a lot of potential for a lot of things. I don't know if any of those things would have been realized had they had more time, had Sony not, you know, farted around with their vision. Uh, maybe not. We may have still got the same movie with no characters I really cared about, uh, no character arcs, and just a, a jumbled snooze fest. Uh, quite literally, my brother-in-law fell asleep the last 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching, and they're getting like close to the big finale. And all of a sudden, I hear him not snoring loudly, but snoring just enough. <laughs> I look over and see him sleeping. I'm like, yeah, he's not missing anything. <laughs> And that's what he said when he, he woke up and saw the very end just before the credits. And he's like, uh, I, did, I don't think I missed much. Oh, wait. Uh, my brother-in-law, Steve, has walked into the shop. And Steve, do you, do you have any thoughts on the movie Morbius that we just watched? Yeah, see, even hearing me talk about it put him to sleep. Of course, that may be more just hearing me talk, put in the sleep. Who knows? I'm going to chalk it up to this movie. So like I said, I, I really wanted to the, love this movie. I wanted to give this movie every benefit of the doubt when I went into it because I heard a lot of negative things about it. Like I said, I didn't read many reviews, but I saw a lot of headlines and just all the headlines were just nothing but negativity. And I wanted to be the one guy who was really going to give this movie a fair shake and really give it a chance to, to be something enjoyable. And so I went in with such an open mind and, and from the get go, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I'm, I'm digging this. I like this. And just by the end of it, it was like, ah, I, I don't care. I, I, I didn't care about anything. I didn't care about the characters. I didn't care about the story. Uh, like I said, no stakes, no character arcs. I was just disinterested. It's not that it was a bad movie. It was a meh movie. It was okay. I wish I hadn't gone to the movie theater to watch it. I wish I hadn't paid uh, my 10 bucks for a ticket to go watch this in the movie theater. I would have been fine watching it on some streaming service or renting it for, you know, $3.99 on Amazon Prime, but I wanted to watch it so I could talk about it on the podcast. So I, I put down my 10 shekels and uh, I, under any other circumstances, uh, knowing what I know now, I would not have done that <laughs> because it was, it was just a so-so movie. It, you know, had enough action and interesting things and, and visually it wasn't bad. Um, it really lacked for any sort of real coherent tone. Uh, there was no real bits of humor. There was no real bits of horror, which I thought would have been really cool for a Marvel superhero movie headed by Sony. Not going to let that one drop. But uh, there was no real eminent danger. It was just a meh movie. Not the worst movie I've seen, but definitely not the best. And my brother-in-law asked me, do you think they're going to make a, another one? I said, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I don't think the world 
needs and, and probably now doesn't care if it sees a Morbius 2, uh, which is a shame because, like I said, lots of potential. This could have been really good. Give it the time it needs. Give it the character development. Put some bigger stakes. Give it a little bit of an edge. Give it a little bit of a horror edge. You're talking about vampires here, for God's sake. Uh, don't be afraid to to make people uneasy with uh, and get them on the edge of their seats with a little bit of uh, scary uh, scariness. Uh, I, I don't think there would have been anything wrong with that. You didn't have to go over the top with gore or you know real hardcore scares or anything like that. Uh, nothing too disturbing, but you could have given it a little edge with a little bit of horror, and, and that would have been interesting. Uh, that, like I said, with the time constraints, if they had more time to do what needed to be done, I thought this could have been a really cool movie. The way it is, it was just so-so, and I don't think we're going to see a sequel to it. I imagine probably what they'll do is we'll see a lot of these characters show up in other Sony-slash-Marvel entities uh, we'll see Michael Morbius maybe show up in the MCU, maybe not. Uh, I, I do think that Sony wants to do a movie where Vulture, Morbius, and Venom team up. I'll, I'll go watch it because I have to because of this, but I don't want to. I don't want to see that movie. I don't care if I see that movie. That movie does, doesn't interest me, but for the sake of this podcast, I'll go see it when it comes out. But that's just my opinions on this movie. I didn't hate it, but I really didn't care for it. Go make up your own mind. Check it out if you want to. Uh, if you don't want to spend money to see it at the movie theater, given all the bad press and what you just heard here, I wouldn't blame you. Wait till it comes out on streaming somewhere. But don't not watch it just because everyone's bad-mouthing it. Hell, you may find it more enjoyable than I did for, for whatever reason that may be. Maybe you just love Jared Leto's boyishly good looks and you're a big... 30 minutes to Mars or 30 minutes, 30 seconds from Mars or 30 miles to Mars, Pennsylvania. I don't know. I, I, I don't listen to his music. <laughs> not that it's not good. I just, uh, I, I've never given it a shot. Maybe I should. Maybe I'll like the Jared Leto's uh, music more than I like this movie. But check it out for yourself. You be the judge of whether you like it or not. And, uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time to hear my thoughts on Morbius. You can find more on our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop on Facebook. We're always posting trailers for the latest movies and TV series and streaming series that are coming out in horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. Always sharing articles, some various sources around the interwebs on the genres that we love. And we've got uh, another episode coming up on Thursday. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this. Of course, we did the episode on on the Foo Fighters movie Studio 666 and the fictional band Dream Widow is in this movie and it's it's Dave Grohl it's a it's a little side project for Dave Grohl where he put out a metal album under the Dream Widow name and we're going to do a breakdown of that the Dream Widow album we're going to do a review of that uh, one cuz it ties to the movie Studio 666 and two it has ties to the darker depths of metal and I, I think it'll be fun it'll be fun you know i've always said that i'm not going to shy away from you know we're going to talk about movies and tv shows and and books and stories but uh, but also music as it links to horror fantasy and sci-fi and i think this really foots the bill and we're also going to do a, a little bit of a tribute of course uh, taylor hawkins from the foo fighters and was in studio 666 passed away here recently so we'll do a little bit of a tribute to him as well but really excited to talk 
talk about uh, the new album from Dream Widow coming up on Thursday's episode. So uh, tune in then, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, whatever platform, please like, subscribe, download, share it with your friends, neighbors, family, granny, whoever loves horror, fantasy, and sci-fi in your life. Please share it with them and uh, get the word out, as well as leave a review. Five stars will be awesome, but whatever review you leave, we certainly do appreciate it. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!